to Pharmacy View podcast, where we provide regular interviews with pharmacists and key industry people within Australian pharmacy and associated industry. In this stream of podcast episodes, we discuss aspects of pharmacy career, resources and training, and how each area interacts with guest current role or pharmacy-related business. I'm your host, Kavita Nadan, pharmacist founder from Locomake, and my guest today is proudly brought to you by Shopfront Solutions. For all of your shelf and digital marketing needs, part of the Arion Technologies Group. Hello to my wonderful listeners. Can you believe we are nearly completely done with summer through a quarter of the year? And as much as time is escaping us all, there is one company who is achieving so much in such little time. Max Mito from Strongroom AI, along with his co-founders, have really changed the game with their innovative tech and medication management and with more exciting things to come. Today, I'm joined by Maxine Craig. Welcome to this podcast, team. Hi, thanks for having no us. No problem. Now, as with all my other podcasts, I like to uh, do a bit of an icebreaker question. So this is a very simple one. Um, do either of you cook? And if you do, what's your favorite thing to make? Craig, do you want to take this one? <laughs> I want to think. Um, so the, the, the problem is that I've promised my wife for a long time that I would start cooking. Um and unfortunately, I can't say that I've really progressed very far in that regard. <laughs> if anything, getting further and further away from the kitchen. And my, my view is that uh, you leave the best, the person who's best equipped to do something, let them do the job. And my wife's an amazing cook. So uh, that's my excuse. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Um, I am quite well known for my soba soup, uh, especially um, during the wintertime Kavita, but, um, <laughs> you know, my partner, Isabella and, uh, you know, she drives, she drives a, a bit of competition, uh, yeah. uh, when it comes to cooking. So yeah, yeah. That's what I think it's, I, as I think Craig is the thought that counts. So, um, as long <laughs> as you've offered, whether it was many years ago, I think that's still important. I, I so probably at some point, uh, for our anniversary to cook a meal and, and I probably should make it in the next couple of years to just <laughs> Fantastic. Keep us updated. <laughs> I hope. Now today I wanted to, before we get into, to discussing a, a few things, can you both give us a bit of, um, background on on both of you starting with you max and then moving on to you craig and how you came to actually work together yeah um so uh my background um i've grown up internationally um i'm half japanese half english um came to australia for uni um and you know i've known christopher dure my co-founder since i was a baby so we ended up starting strong room while at university um it became, it went a bit better than we thought. So, um, I dropped out much the disappointment of my parents, but, uh, you know, here we are today and it seems to be going all right. So, uh, yeah, but, uh, so yeah, been, been essentially with, with strong room all my professional life. So, uh, there you go. Amazing. And you Craig. Um, so I'm a bit older than Max, but I'm not going to bore you with double the amount of a, a story. <laughs> Um, but, uh, I, so I grew up in South Africa, I've been in Melbourne now for just over three years. Uh, I studied medicine and my aim was, I wanted to specialize in pediatrics and while I was, I was going to go to the U S to specialize. And during that time when I was doing my exams, I was offered a position at a health insurance company and I thought I'll do that for a few months and landed up being there for almost 21 years. Uh, so I was head of vitality wellness, which is a global wellness company 
incentive-based wellness company. We partnered with uh, many of the large insurers, AIA being the partner here in Australia, Pingan, uh, Generali. Um, and yeah, it was an amazing work journey for me, professional journey, at, um, you know, in getting in focusing on behavior change and using, I guess, my medical background in impacting healthcare at a slightly different level to if I'd been a practicing doctor. And um, so, yeah, and so, uh, yeah, I was introduced to Max probably about two years ago. Yeah. Um, one of my philosophies is never turn down a meeting. Um, mm, yes. Never know who you're going to meet. And uh, I just, I was so impressed by, um, I, I don't mean this in the wrong way, that this young, uh, incredibly smart person and what he was doing. And, and I've just got, you know, a, a big passion of mine is around chronic disease management and, and adherence and all these sort of challenges that we face. And to, to have the opportunity to work with someone uh, with such drive and, and intelligence was fantastic for me. And uh, that's really how how we connect it so yeah perfect it's like a match made in heaven <laughs> i mean uh you know my side of the story was that actually it was um uh you know one of our investors was like you should really be craig um and i know you're probably going to ask this question later on but i remember we met at a cafe it's in st kilda uh first time i met craig and then you know after that initial meeting um you know we were talking about um, you know, how to use data in a way that is very, you know, that would be very interesting. And then essentially, you know, I kept, you know, catching up with Craig and then here we are today on a podcast to discuss the work that we've done since that two years, uh, we originally met. So, uh, yeah, there you go. How exciting. I love that philosophy as well, Craig. I, I just feel like you should always take the time, even if it goes, you know, to to nothing in the first five minutes. It's still important to meet somebody regardless yeah. of, of what you know about them or not. So I think that's very, very important. Now, you know, what do you believe, uh, and this might be, this can be directed to both of you, has been vital in your success to date? And um, what support networks have you had to be able to achieve what you have achieved so far? Um, yeah, so, you know, on my end, um, the support network that we've, that, uh, you know, Strongroom has experienced through, you know, our wider community has really been a really integral part of us succeeding. I mean, you know, my background is in economics and history, while Chris is more in data analytics uh, and computer science. So we don't come from a medical background. Um, so I think, you know, um, one of the big contributors for us being successful was that we started very young and we had the patience to work through the problem. Uh, so it took us maybe three years initially to get our initial concept up and it changed through many different iterations, but we were very lucky to have different mentors. I mean, I think on the podcast, uh, you've had Mark Belchu as an example to one of them or Zamil Solanke, but you know, there's huge list of people that's helped us along the way and taken a chance on us. So we've been incredibly fortunate in that area. Um, you know, the biggest challenges we've experienced to date, um, I think, you know, without sounding like a broken record, um, you know, COVID um, brought many interesting challenges. COVID itself obviously didn't impact our business, but for example, as we were growing quite quickly, um, so to just give you a frame of reference, we had maybe four employees at the start of COVID 
and we came out with it to about 30 to 40 employees. Um, oh. so, but, you know, the challenges were about really being finding ways to be adaptable while scaling as quickly as possible. And that's been a very challenging and painful time. So finding the right people, making sure that people adapting quick enough, that's really been my biggest challenge to date, less so on the technology side. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and yeah. what about yourself, Craig? And I have this, I think, sometimes irritating thing where I find like uh, doing a lot of alliteration in my life. So, um, people, purpose, uh, and process are kind oh. of my, what I think's been very valuable for me. And, um, you know, engaging with a variety of people, that diversity, um, different backgrounds, different specialty. I mean, one of my very good friends is a surfing champion. Uh, I wouldn't know what to do with a surfboard. Uh, another very good friend uh, is a rugby coach, and I'm a bit lost on a rugby field. I love watching rugby. Um, and so, yeah, um, that I think has been an important part. And, and it's not always the people you like or respect necessarily and i don't want to be disrespectful but you learn a lot from sometimes people that are very different and maybe that you would behave differently so so that's been a big part of that journey uh purpose is absolutely key and and um you know when i was uh, at, at discovery vitality uh, our purpose was making people healthier and that's something that's really continued to drive everything i've done even since leaving and and so if, if you have that it helps give you that direction because there's so many opportunities out there um, and the hard thing is often choosing what not to do and what to do. And I'm not particularly good at that. Um, but having that kind of focus does help a little bit. Uh, and then, you know, just appreciating that things take hard work. Um, there's nothing easy. And we read these wonderful stories of, um, you know, we think, oh, Max is, you know, 26, 27 year old and the amazing stuff that he's doing. Uh, but no one appreciates how much hard work he's put in. And, and how much, how little sleep he gets. And so um, there's a process to getting places. Some people it takes quicker than others. Some people have amazing talent. Others have to work harder for that. But um, I, I, I think I've, uh, for me, I've kind of tried to understand my weaknesses and then work hard or find people that can support me. Um, and just, yeah, being honest with yourself. So that's been, I guess, uh, Life's not easy. There's lots of challenges, but it's super exciting. And I tend to be quite an optimistic person. Uh, and that helps me get through most of these things. There's always plan A doesn't work. There's always plan B or plan C. Um, so, yeah. Yep, absolutely. And I think I, I love that, you know, surrounding yourself with people who, because we don't know everything, do we? So having the, the experts or advisors, guiders, guidance, uh, mentors, whatever you'd like to call them, to be able to you know, reach that goal or destination is so important. And I feel like that's, that's been key and seems like it's been key in, in getting you to where you are today. Now, if I can just mention, sorry to interrupt, but I think particularly in the healthcare space, we often are not trained to work as teams in these multidisciplinary teams. Um, and that appreciation of how much we learn from other people. Uh, and uh, I think that's certainly a, an important move going forward. And, and a lot of it is happening, um, that it's not just the doctor, just the pharmacist, just the social worker, but how we come together. Ultimately, this is about patient centricity and patient outcomes. And, and having that diverse team and diverse skills, it's what's going to crack it, including the technology teams, the data teams. 
and things. So yeah. it's just thinking that context important. Absolutely. And and Max, you mentioned one of your challenges was obviously hiring people and resources during COVID. What else has really stood out for you in terms of challenges? I mean, another thing you did mention is obviously not being from a medical or pharmacy background and, and breaking into an industry, which is quite still, I would like to say still closed, um, still very small. Yeah. And uh, I know that can in itself be a challenge. How have you managed to overcome some of these things and, and what yeah. what have you done? I think it's, um, you know, the general philosophy um, um, within Strongroom is that we, we we like to consider all options. And I think, you know, one of the advantages we've had is that, you know, we've got a mixture of medical but non-medical people. And so what that means is the non-medical people, um, they'll be quite, you know, everybody within Strongroom are very clever. So they'll ask about why certain things are done. And oftentimes, you know, if the answer is, well, it's just the way we do it, then that's usually the places where we look to examine why that was put into place. And so then, for example, what's really interesting um, is that our system's been built to be very patient-centric, but when we're looking at similar programs uh, globally that's been built, um, so with, you know, currently I'm doing a, a bit of work in the UK as well, it's very interesting that a lot of it is very product focused and it's because that's the way that a pharmacist has been trained to, you know, observe something. And obviously it's a very important part of that, but to then try combine the two, it's, um, it's been very interesting, but again, you know, finding the right people is so critical and, you know, there's a lot of hard decisions that you've got to make about people. Maybe they're right at the start, but not good for the middle bit etc but this is why again having such a wide community of people is so important and you know the product that we've created what that we're discussing today would have never happened if craig didn't you know provide that framework as an example um to help us elevate the way that we're thinking about things and you know that aspect of it just opens up your world to so many more possibilities uh, and opportunities. So, um, yeah, so, you know, I think just that challenge of not knowing, making those mistakes, adapting, it's, you can do it a lot faster with a, you know, clever and, you know, wide group of people, I think, well, diverse yeah. people, I should say. Yeah. Perfect. Um, so you've touched on it just now. Uh, can Let's dive into this new product or solution you have coming to the market. Um, tell us about it. What does it mean for us at pharmacy level and, and pharmacists? And, and um, yeah, I would love to know all about it. So, Kevin, if I can maybe just keep it around why we're we doing this. Sure. And, and Max can, uh, he's the brains into the house. Um <laughs> But when I think um, what attracted me to this is the fact, you know, we look globally, but, you know, in Australia, uh, chronic disease has a massive impact on on health, on productivity. Uh, about, you know, I think 37% of hospitalizations are linked to people with chronic conditions. Uh, cardiovascular disease, about a third of us have got uh, some, you know, whether it's hypertension or hypercholesterolemia. Diabetes, about 1.7 million. Don't quote me on the exact numbers. Um, uh, mental health issues and we know medication as well as lifestyle plays a critical role in managing that. The, the challenge is that many of these conditions we feel okay um, and in fact the medicine makes us feel worse 
in the condition in many instances. So hypertension is called the silent killer for a reason. We feel fine and then it hits us. Um, and so taking medication, going each month and collecting medication uh, and adherence and there are multiple aspects of it, but it's a challenge for people. And clearly the pharmacists, the ones dispensing are in a perfect position to be uh, supporting and, uh, patients in this chronic disease journey. As we have an older population, you know, the, the prevalence of chronic disease starts to increase. Um, and we're just seeing still about 50% of people aren't getting the medicine or aren't taking the medicine properly, which is a key philosophy within within Strongroom of how do we support this with data and technology. And um, my background really is in the behavioral economic side. So how do we change behavior? And so coming together, so, you know, it's one thing to have the data and the insights, but what can we do to nudge people, incentivize people? How do we communicate to people in a way that, um, you know, using the data and then automating and facilitating some of that. So that was kind of the, you know, a really big problem that we've got to solve and people are doing things in the space. We're not the only ones, but uh, I think as Max said, and he'll talk through the detail, I think that um, the, the type of data analytics, the use of AI and um, the amazing team that Max has got combined with sort of these simple to use personalized interventions uh, we think will have a, a significant impact on the whole ecosystem. And so the patient benefits, the pharmacist benefits, and importantly, society benefits. If people, you know, uh, can be back at work, the, the, the burden that they place on a healthcare system where you've got chronic disease and the complications of that, we're then having a, a positive impact here. So that was sort of the the why we're doing this. Um, and Max, I guess, you know, better place to talk about Yeah. Uh, the brain power behind things. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, um, yeah. In regards to, yeah, just following on from what, what Craig said, I think, you know, a really key area that we've also wanted to do is help pharmacies go from being a very reactive space where you're sort of waiting for, you know, the next COVID jab or whatever else it might be, or you might just have an unusual influx of patients one day where you're suddenly incredibly busy uh, more so than usual. So, you know, what this tool is really designed to do is start having, uh, providing additional data in a very easy to understand way um, to then understand trends. So to put it simply, what the product does is it analyzes all the data that you've got within the pharmacy um, and essentially what it does, does from there is start predicting the adherence rate and provides actionable insights to ensure that uh, the underserved uh, patients, uh, their lives get easier. So the way that that works is that the tool categorizes the data coming through, um, essentially breaks it down uh, patient segments by certain variables and the variables can be gender, age, medical circumstances, um, but can also touch upon some more unusual variables that really hasn't been seen yet in Australia, such as loneliness, uh, estimated income, access to public transport, etc. And so then because it can start looking at these variables, predicting the adherence rates um, by these each segments, you can then start building out these insights based upon that data that is shown to you. So, um, you know, as an example, if, you know, what, what the what the solution can do is look at, for example, 
people that are over the age of 70 that live in within five to 10 kilometers radius of your pharmacy has a very poor adherence rate versus other pharmacies we're seeing the system, you then know that maybe you haven't considered a delivery service as an example uh, uh, in order to serve that part of a community. But um, ultimately, you know, that message can vary depending upon the circumstances and the insights that the solution is providing. So it could be about simplifying, you know, polypharmacies, patients' drug regimen, uh, letting them know about new services or uh, education material about managing a certain condition. So it's really quite a dynamic new program. Um, again, built to be very user-friendly uh, to ensure that the pharmacy understands what they've got, where are the opportunities that they can be focused on. And then, you know, what that means for the patient is that they've got more services readily available to the community and the underserved client base are essentially getting served. So, yeah. 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 Okay. So, run me through. So, um, say you were going to implement this into my pharmacy. How would that process or what would that look like? So, it's it's very straightforward. Um, mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you're an existing strong of customer, you just activate a module and essentially it's already there and, then you know, we'll get a trainer attached to train you on it. If you are a, um, if you're not, if you're not using us at the moment, but would be wanting to implement it, we do install a, uh, a desktop version for you within the pharmacy, but there is a cloud version for you to be able to access, uh, as well. And what it also does for multi-site owners or um, for, you know, various groups that may exist, we do also actually have a head office view where it consolidates all this data and allows for you to do some benchmarking across your sites as well. So from the perspective of someone like a professional services manager, they can then also test out and understand where, which areas to focus on and why. Because, you know, for example, you might go, We've got a new diabetes initiative, but it might not be relevant to 20 out of the 30 sites that you might manage as an example. So yeah. an efficiency aspect as part of that. Um, and, you know, there's also various other features like testing price elasticity across certain, uh, uh, you know, drug categories as well. Um, so that, you know, if you need to decrease the price per script, but that means that you've got better adherence rates, you know, there's a, there's a feature for that as well. So um, is it currently going to, so where is it drawing this data from? Is it going to be from the dispensing software, from Strongroom DD? Like what are we? Yeah, um, so it does take it from multiple sources. <laughs> dispensing software is the go-to place, but it, um, depending on what modules within Strongroom you've got activated, it does also use that as a categorizer. So for example, if a patient is on stage supply or OTP, it takes that into consideration. Um, but it also looks at publicly available data. So for example, it, um, you know, it might look at a patient's address as an example. And if they live on council housing and a group of five different medications that has a high co-payment rate for that patient, it will also detect that, you know, that patient is unlikely able to afford that medication based upon the address that they live in. But there's many small examples um, for each variable that we look at to make sure that, um, you know, we get the data that we need to get as accurate of a picture as possible of the patient. 
Perfect. And I think what, what hopefully is coming through is just this greater focus on personalization. Um, you know, so you can have data at a macro level, uh, but drilling down and understanding behaviors are very different for, uh, you know, family size is another example. So people have, you know, say with young kids, Max messed around loneliness. So when you've got so an older person as a single individual, all those things have an impact on adherence. And, and I think, you know, from a health perspective, we've always said, you know, educate people and then they'll take action. We know it's much more complicated than that. And having these type of insights and then converting the insights into action. Um, so how we message people. And a lot of what I've seen, you know, in the chronic disease space is we send people reminders, uh, which is very nice and it has an impact. But we need to be a lot more, a lot smarter about that and run some amazing work with uh, uh, another company in Australia, just sort of applying behavioral economic principles to those communications. So how, what is, how easy is that action? The timing of the communication, using concepts, it's a social norm. It's a whole range of those things. Sometimes it may be incentives. Uh, and so the pharmacist is now empowered with you know, very powerful communication tools that are targeted based on what the issue that we predict is causing poor uh, adherence or compliance. I think that's uh, another component of bringing all those things together. And as as we, uh, any sort of data, as we collect more data, there's test and learning that will take place almost in real time uh, because there's no perfect system. Uh, but as long as we're open to learning and improving, we're going to create something that's a lot more valuable than what uh, what currently exists absolutely and i think uh, the main thing is that empowering our pharmacists right and and we are very reactive like until somebody comes and we can start to see either a decline in their behavior perhaps or their their uh, adherence to medication their compliance we don't really take action but this data having the accessibility is one thing so that's um which is going to make a difference and the proactiveness side of it so say i've got this data i've got you know, an insight into all the things you've mentioned before, Max, how best is it that pharmacists can utilize it? And is there some sort of guidelines around how, okay, I've got this piece of data about, you know, potentially they're not very adherent with these medications or in this specific socioeconomic area. What do I as a pharmacist do with that data? I think this is the problem that we face as pharmacists. We have got multitude of data in our pharmacy at our fingertips. We just don't know how to tap into it. So if there is guidelines around this, what would you would be some of your suggestions from from you yeah. or the company? So um, I might just go, well, very small use cases and then yes. sure Craig can, can pull it back to the bigger picture. But um, you know, ultimately it depends upon the lens that you're you're using the software from. I think that there is a really interesting use case as an individual business owner. Uh, who, you know, obviously you own the pharmacy and you're looking at community outreach. So the loneliness part is something that, you know, it's very difficult to ascertain unless if you've got a system like this as an example. But, you know, there's always a trade-off between, you know, needing to run the business as a business versus obviously running it as a healthcare hub because oftentimes the services that the pharmacist provides to the community is not funded by anywhere. So, it's, you know, it's something that has to come from them to the community. But I think what this system is able to do is provide those business case studies quickly to that owner to be able to then do some sort of community outreach where 
they not, might not be necessarily paid for, but you know what they get in return is customer loyalty or patient loyalty because they do it, you know, because of the way that they're reaching out to to the individual. Um, so, for example, the loneliness, if they can see that it's categorized, that people over between the ages of 50 to 60 who live by themselves are not being inferior, they might have enough of them in the area that they did realize that they can actually get them together in a group. And, you know, it makes it very easy for you to be able to contact and go, you know, we're, hold, we're hosting some sort of tea time, come in and have a chat, whatever it might be. Well, you know, if you weren't using this tool, this would all be anecdotal things and you'd be lying in bed and going, oh, like, I would love to do this, but there's only a couple of these individuals that are there, but this tool will actually go, okay, you're actually uncovering an underserved part of your community, which might be actually 15, 20 people. If that makes sense. So that's, that's one use case, but I think overall, there, you know, if you go macro as well, again, from a group level, deciding what to introduce uh, as a campaign or intervention, et cetera, you know, you're not going to have to go through and blanket through, we're going to train everybody on, say, weight loss management, because you might see from the data, it's not relevant towards all these pharmacies, all these pharmacies are doing a really good job. And um, so essentially what it might also uncover is that for whatever reason, hepatitis C patients are not doing well, as an example, but it does provide all that insight. And we are seeing some incredibly interesting case studies coming out of this as well. And uh, I know I've talked a little for quite a bit, but one of the most interesting case studies we've seen come up is that there is a direct correlation rate between conducting a medication review and the number proportionally to the patients in the pharmacy to adherence rates. And what's really interesting is that for the pharmacies that are doing the professional services, the adherence rates are 20 to 30% higher than for pharmacies that aren't doing it. So again, looking at the business case study for that in that instance, the one that isn't doing anything, not only, you know, they're not getting the, the fee from the seven CPA, but they're actually losing out because patients are deciding to go elsewhere that has better service. And, you know, and then if you're looking at pharmacies that are very well run, doing all these professional services, they're getting rewarded a lot more than just the um, professional services that they're providing to that individual. And oftentimes we're seeing in our discussions that that sort of economic calculation has not been put into consideration as well. So again, that that this tool helps to bring that to light very quickly. Uh, not sure, Craig, if you've got uh, any. I think I think that what I maybe just said. So everything we're doing, we want to make sure is actionable, as I said earlier, so that the pharmacist isn't having to. You said this data overload, oh. um, and rather, you know, he has at a patient level, he has certain actions but also at a pharmacy level as, as Max, you know, spoke about. And, you know, so if one said, yeah, I've got a, a quite a significant cohort of diabetic patients with diabetes, uh, what am I actually selling in the front part of the shop that maybe supports the diabetics, uh, people with diabetes? So those are some of the things that we can give recommendations on. Um, some of them are clear actions, almost click of a button and the campaign is driven. Some of them are, food for thought and some of them are insights that we would be getting overall from the data. So, um, yeah, I, I think 
the, the key thing is to simplify stuff. There's so many, we all have so much to deal with. And, and the reality, I think what's been built here and will continue to improve is what, you know, large retailers, um, grocery stores, this is what they're doing. There's yeah. data analytics happening. And when you're sitting as an independent pharmacy, you've got access to a lot of tools. Some of these, we don't, we haven't seen this type of thing that uh, can provide that type of insight, you know, which helps their business because these things are uh, to have access. And I'm, you know, fortunate enough to see that the brain power that's sitting in Max's team, uh, that doesn't, you know, come off the street. Um, no. And uh, that's where we think can really add value in managing the business, but importantly, managing health outcomes. And that's going to make, you know, the system better, you know, the pharmacies we believe play a critical role in the healthcare system and how do we sort of support them in that journey yeah of course and um as you mentioned you know um having that data available and then to make not just at a pharmacy level but the individual patient level that's never been available it is all usually oh i think this is what is happening. I feel this is what we should do. I feel there is like a, a good case to have a maternal health, you know, um, focus, but we don't back that up with any real data or stats. And and this is honestly a game changer at, from an owner perspective. I think this is very, very vital and key. So we've been talking about, you know, all these exciting stuff that is to come. In your opinion, and this goes to both of you, Max and Craig, what do you think? Um, there is going to be a lot of major changes happening in pharmacy. I think it's already started, especially from COVID. How do you think we as an industry need to adapt, especially over the next 18 to 24 months, um, especially when it comes to innovation and technology like this? Um, from my perspective, I think, you know, I'm, I've always had great admiration for our customer base, you know, the pharmacies, the pharmacists. Um, and I think that they're actually doing everything right in terms of trying to expand scopes of practice. Um, but, and sorry, and so this is me being more critical of my own industry rather than that of the pharmacist. But I think that the technological backbone sitting behind uh, pharmacies is just not quite there yet to facilitate uh, this, you know, value-based uh, care that they're really striving to achieve. So I think over the next 18 to 24 months, uh, you know, we are going to see probably quite a few tools such as the, the one we're here today about strong analytics, um, coming up. And I think, um, you know, we've always talked about personalization, being able to, you know, understand data a little bit more. So, and, you know, outside of the pharmacy industry, we've seen AI growing quite quickly. I mean, chat GPT and generative AI has been the full book the summer, really. So, <laughs> yes. You know, I hate bringing it up, but you are going to also see that side of things impact the way that pharmacy is being operated. Um, so, you know, the only thing that I think that pharmacists will need to do, to be honest, is become slightly more data literate. Um, in being able to understand what this means and how to intervene. And there's going to be a training process and an adoption process where initially they're going to look at these numbers and go, what does this mean? What do I do with this? And that's why we need to make these interventions as easy as possible for them. And 
again, that's where the heavy lifting needs to come from the technology side uh, rather than from the pharmacist side. But, you know, um, so yeah, so that's where I see the industry happening uh, over the next 18 to 24 months. And yourself, Craig? So so I'm still relatively new to Australia. Um, so I'm just cautious around my predictions. But when I see what's happened globally and what's currently taking place now around um, backlog, you know, shortage of GPs, the cost of GPs, uh, I think I would love to be playing in the pharmacy space right now. Well, um, I think it's an incredibly exciting time. Um, not that it's going to be easy and nothing's easy, but I think it will bring uh, a lot of change and the ability to embrace technology. Um, and I think that technology providers and, and uh, companies need to understand their clients really well. Um, and and I, again, sorry, not a plug for Max and his team, but the amount of time that they spend with pharmacists you know, it's not uh, a bunch of incredibly smart people sitting in a room thinking that they know. They actually go out and are engaging. And I think that's critical if one's going to develop solutions for a particular market. Um, and so I think that digital literacy, that data literacy, uh, but importantly, also that customer engagement. Ultimately, you know, the professional services that one can do uh, as we get, you know, looking at prescribing. Um, looking at other services that will be offered. I think, you know, I'm seeing the pharmacists being centers of excellence for primary care um, and comes with challenge, but certainly exciting. And it's a role of businesses like Strong Room to support uh, the pharmacists in that journey. So that's sort of, I think, uh, where we kind of go the next 12, 24 months and beyond, which is super exciting, uh, I think. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think this new generation of pharmacists that are coming through are super excited, very tech savvy, probably more than we are now. <laughs> because as soon as they're born, they basically have an iPhone in their phone, uh, in their hand. So it's it's very exciting time. And I think adoption is going to be huge um, if we all play it right. Uh, so as we get towards the end of our conversation, I just wanted to get some three pieces of advice or even one, whatever it might be from each of you on any budding entrepreneurs out there. And as we talked about this new innovation age coming through, I'm sure there is a lot of people who are thinking of new ideas, et cetera. What would be your advice to these new and upcoming new stars? Um, I think that, you know, being tenacious. So what I, how I define tenacious is hardworking um, and disciplined um uh and you know essentially putting a lot of hard work in and not giving up i think you've really got to be tenacious um being creative and open-minded um as well so when you get feedback etc just you know listening to that and making sure that you're incorporating that as part of as part of things happen and then my last bit of uh, advice would be to always stay humble. And, uh, you know, there's always going to be, um, whether it's a competitor or someone adjacent doing something better than you. And, you, um, you know, you've always got to respect what what others have done and what others are doing well. And so, you know, and just take the best out of whatever you're observing. So that's my three-piece advice. Nice. Um. 
if I can add to that, I think firstly, age shouldn't be a barrier and that's at both extremes. Um, you're never too young and never too old. Um, I've, uh, I don't see myself as old, but when I work with Max, I just pull old. But um, I was, you know, in a corporate environment for 21 years and the last three, three and a half years being in the entrepreneurial and startup space and uh, incredibly energized by it. Um, and my father started a business at age 63, is now still running it, about to turn 80. Um, so never see age as a barrier um, and different people bring different perspectives. But I think the key thing is whatever you do, be passionate about it. Um, if and, and not that money is a bad thing, but if money is the only driver, I think it's going to be hard. Um, if you have a real passion to make a difference in the space, uh, that gives you that energy to to kind of push through. We spoke earlier around the people that you surround yourself with, that you get the mentors, and that's something again Max has done incredibly well. Uh, is you know finding people that have got different expertise can give him that advice. Uh, and not just, you know, in Australia, but globally. Um, and, and I think that's a, a brilliant example for me. Uh, and do your homework. Um, you know, a, a nice PowerPoint presentation with a great idea uh, is not <laughs> going to get a business off the ground. Um, and dream 100%, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Um, and, and, you know, some people do get lucky, but it's hard work. Uh, but the reward is there. You know, when you go into your first pitch to get funding or you get your first client, uh, there's something special about that. And um, I think um, certainly I would encourage people to, and it's not for everyone. And uh, there's some days where I question it, but uh, it's certainly the reward can be there. So those are my, hopefully that's more, not more than three, but that would have been, yeah. It's amazing. Thank you so much. And I think, you know, from my perspective, like Strong Room AI encompasses all of that and more. And I think for anybody out there who is thinking of uh, following down that footstep of Max and and Craig and Chris, like definitely someone to, a company to keep, keep their eyes on and follow the journey. So thank you so much for both of you for joining me today. I, it was amazing. I, I don't have any words and I, I feel like this is so exciting and really, really going to change the space, especially being a pharmacist, being an owner in my own pharmacy, I can see the huge potential this has, not just for my pharmacy, but for clients and also for the staff as well. And, and you know, getting people excited about what we are here to do as pharmacists and in the pharmacy space. So thank you so much. No problems. Thank you so much for having us back, Kavita. Yeah. Very welcome. Thank you, Craig. Thanks very much. Really appreciate the opportunity. No worries. Thanks for joining us today on the Pharmacy View podcast. And don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment if you found this episode of value or have feedback. Podcast episodes are promoted through social media, LinkedIn, YouTube, and major podcast mediums. And each episode can be found on the Pharmacy View webpage with links to the guest contact and business details. If you're a pharmacist or industry support supplier and would like to join us on an episode, send us a message through LinkedIn or complete the inquiry form on the Pharmacy View webpage. I'm your host, Kavita Nadan, pharmacist founder from Locomate, and thanks again for joining us today on the Pharmacy View podcast.